Welcome back to the Top Cheddar Podcast. I'm Cam Moon. Great to have you here. My co-host, the one and only former Saskatoon Blade, Kamloops Blazer, Memorial Cup champion, all-around great guy, Rob Lawlisher. <laughs> was this the week I was supposed to pay you $5 for a nice intro? Uh, How's that? That was pretty good. That's, Thanks, are, are your, uh, are your uh, tires fully maxed out? Like your PSIs yeah, I, are like there's, maxed. There's no way I'm getting out of this studio today. The head's uh, pretty inflated right now. Thanks, Mooner. Right on. Well, hey, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here here to do. We And we love talking hockey, and we love talking with hockey guys that have gone on to be successful in business. And we have got an absolute beauty this time. A former Calgary hitman went on to a nice. long pro career and also generally an all-around great guy. Uh, now working at uh, Precision Well Servicing, the one and only and sometimes color man in Calgary with myself when the Rebels are on the road, Brent Cron. Happy to be here, boys. That's uh, your two for two on the introductions, eh, Mooner? Yeah. All right. Nice. Well, I'll just gonna put the headset down. I'll see you all later. <laughs> yeah, nice. Exactly. Yeah, You've done your job. You're good. You're good to go. Yep. I'll take right the afternoon on. off. Hey, welcome, Brent. Thank you very yeah, much. Nice here. to be here. Yeah, right. On. Hey, Mooner, before you get going in hockey, I, yeah, I should yeah. say, guess what? What? We have a sponsor of this show. What? You can what? believe it. You don't I'm, make calls. You don't make I'm sales. So You've been making calls. Making calls. I would like to welcome our new sponsor to the Top Cheddar Podcast. We've got Twig and Berries, if you can believe it. Do you not love the name? The name that's unbelievable you can't forget that name at all this is uh, no nope. tell you what uh you're gonna love these guys they're a canadian company they've got all kinds of, it's online they've got all kinds of apparel including men's underwear moon are you gonna say you wear underwear most days still yeah pretty much yeah, yeah, yeah. not like the old days <laughs> not like the old days <laughs> no still, friend, still still pretty good there right okay yeah every well, once they, in a while when i pull the kilt out i i, I, <laughs> I go free, free free flow but more often than not i, I got them on so on those kilt-free days, and you need some <laughs> underwear, you yeah. want to head over to twigandberries.ca. They've got all kinds of stuff there, all kinds of different lines, and even their own line of underwear called Nutsack. So I love it. <laughs> That's unreal. It, yeah, got to love that name. So uh, yeah, big welcome yeah. to twigandberries.ca. Uh, go check them out. And uh, yeah, big thanks to them for sponsoring the Top Cheddar podcast. Okay, Mooner, enough underwear talk. All right. about the nutsack let's let's hear some hockey talk okay let's, let's. i love i love the twig and berries that they're on board thank you very much twig and berries we appreciate it <laughs> I, brent cron when you i i now i was broadcasting i guess i still am but i was broadcasting the red deer rebels and when you came into the western hockey league this young phenom from manitoba uh I, you were which oddly enough you were like an eighth round whl bantam pick in 97 which it, like that's to become WHL phenom from eighth round pick. Like it's a little bit of a journey. Uh, what was the journey getting to the WHL for you? You know what? It, it was ignorance is bliss. I had no idea what the Western <laughs> Hockey League draft was. Um, I was. I always wanted to play for the Brandon Wheat Kings. I grew up two and a half hours um, east of, of Brandon and would go there on the weekends, Friday or Saturday, to go watch the Wheat Kings play. And that's. And I just like I just told myself, I told my dad, I'm like, guys, like this is something that I want to do. I had no idea about the draft. I played, you know, Triple A midget hockey in Manitoba, and and been to a bunch of tournaments. And there was a there was a scout by the name of John Townsend from Roblin, Manitoba, that when they started having these 
I don't know, not even development tournaments, but you'd, you'd bring a teams in and a bunch of scouts would come watch. And it was kind of more centralized for everybody to hit guys they wanted to see uh, passing through. And he talked to me once and said, hey, you know, uh, good tournament. What did you think of your – how how'd you play? I said, oh, I think I played pretty well. And that was really the end of the conversation. There was nothing concrete about it. And, and I had no idea. I had no idea, you know, what the Western Hockey League draft was. I didn't think I'd get drafted. I was just playing hockey, having fun. And, and I remember one day playing street hockey with my buddies one afternoon, and my, uh, I found out that I was drafted by the Calgary Hitmen. And, and, and somebody's like, what, what round did you go? And for me, I'm like, well, I don't know, probably number first round. I don't know. Like, yeah. well, who knows, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, like, and, and not even being cocky, just, it's just stupid. It's like, oh, I don't know, probably oh, rounds are there, probably the top one. I don't know. And uh, it, it turned out that, that uh, um, it, it was pretty much close to the bottom. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that was pretty funny. My buddies gave me a pretty hard time. They gave me a pretty hard time. First round, eh? Oh, yeah, big deal. Who do you think you are? Um, and then I remember having a, a chat with the, the head scout, Paul Charles. Yep. And, and, and I, you know, he said, what do you think about playing in the Western Hockey League? And I said, well, I'll, I'll, I'll walk there if I have to. I said, I'll come play no matter yeah. what. I, I just want to come play hockey. And I, I had received a, I shouldn't say scholarship, but basically a, to, for two universities to say, hey, you know what, we'd love you for you to come down and check out our campus. And this is what, kind of what we're thinking of offering you if everything kind of works out right and whatnot. And then I just looked at my dad and I'm like, not a chance. Like, I don't even want to yeah. do this. Like, I'm, 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 I want to play in the Western <laughs> Hockey League, right? This is That's right. still, I, I was growing up still watching you know, the separate warm up because the guys would just beat the tar of each other in, in, in warm up. And, that, and I remember Robin, just getting there that's early. That's our era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Lolly they and didn't, they didn't trust us then, Murder. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, right? And I'm, and I'm sitting there. I would get to the, to, to the Keystone Center in Brandon early to watch warm up just in case anything <laughs> happened, right? Because I was like, yeah. this, is, this is unbelievable. Me and three buddies would, you know, take my dad's, you know, vehicle or their dad's vehicle would rip to town and and anyway yeah that's kind of how it started i mean i, I had no clue right and I, and I got to hitman training camp i had i broke my collarbone that summer i went up to edmonton i'd i uh, got uh, jerry jerry uh, johansson and steve yep. kollowitz and the, the, the sports corporation group they they i ended up choosing to go with them when i was 15 and not even still realizing at the time i had any shot whatsoever Good and I remember previous guest <laughs> on the top cheddar. Yeah, punt. yeah, we had Jerry. Oh, on really? Yeah. <laughs> I think he's aged pretty well. I haven't talked to him in a while, but he probably looks the same. Except Greer, exactly hair. the same. Yeah, guy's yeah. Hollywood. He's, he's yeah, he is Hollywood. <laughs> Bobby Big Wheel. Hey, <laughs> yeah. all he did was talk about himself. I'm sure. Bob too, right? Sugar. <laughs> 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 That's awesome. Uh, I want this but, guy. <laughs> <laughs> but but I I didn't. I showed up to camp and I hadn't skated all summer. And uh, they had three goaltenders in front of me, including Andre Fomachev, who they had, yep. they had gone to the Memorial Cup the season previous. And they were making arrangements for me to, to play junior A hockey in, in Alberta until they could figure out a spot for me on the roster or what they were going to do, if they were going to trade me or if they were just going to say, screw it, you're not good enough. And, and, I, and with all that going on, I still had, I just thought I was just going to show up and play for the hit. And like, I didn't think, I didn't, it just it didn't. It didn't come naturally. I think wanted to wonder what if. What if this happens? What if that happens? I was just like, well, let's go play hockey and see what happens, right? So you're the best, well, uh, I, most confident eighth rounder, <laughs> rounder yeah, coming yeah, in. Exactly well, as a right. seventeen year old, you went thirty three and six. So you know there there yeah, was something a hell to of a it. Start. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all like, it, all me too, right? Mooner, you saw that team. It was a bunch of plugs in front of me. The guys couldn't go <laughs> tired down a hill, right? That's right. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> yeah. reigning yeah. WHL champions. But yeah, they, it was a pretty good team, though. You guys had a lot of talent. 
you know, and it was, it was a great situation for me to be in. Uh, they, they ended up trading Fomachev to Seattle. Uh, I think they ended up sending Brent Williams to a team in junior A. And then Donald Chikolas, they traded to, yeah. to Regina. And then it was me and Sean Connors for the first half of the season. And it was kind of a one-two punch. We went back and forth. And, you know, that, that Hitman team could score at will. Um, it was the likes of Chris Beach, Pavel Brendel, Brad Moran, even yeah. Jordan Kristanovich. We had, we had Matt Kinch on the back end. We had Kenton Smith. Um, it was a very well-rounded team. And, and like, like I said, I, I, I didn't know any better. I remember playing my, my first, uh, for, I think it was my first game in Medicine Hat, and we won 5-1. And, uh, and I got uh, one of the stars, and I got my Boston Pizza gift card, you know, whatever, 15, 20 bucks yeah, to Boston yeah. Pizza. And I was like, my goodness, am I going to do some damage there when I get a chance? And, <laughs> and I remember Jeff Mar, you know, Marzi, yeah. the, uh, the, uh, the coach, um, or the assistant coach story for the Calgary yeah. Hitman. And he comes to the back. Well, not back of the bus because I was a rookie, probably about three seats down. And he <laughs> yeah, goes, that's uh, right. Yeah. Hey kid, uh, you going to use that, uh, can you use that Boston pizza gift card? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, him. of course I am. He's like, well, we just ordered Boston pizza help for the boys. Hey boys, put a good game in front of you. Might want to buck up and give it to the, so <laughs> they would use our, our so you got squeezed. So I, I, I got fleeced basically. Marzi fleeced me my very first time being a star in the Western hockey league. And, uh, and it was tough. It was, I, I knew right then and there, it was all about the team. Wasn't about me. Right. Couldn't, yeah. couldn't be that guy. Uh, however, um, you know, and then as the season progressed, I mean, I just remember being, we'd be down four, one, five, one, going to the third period for what, for a rare reason or whatever. Like nobody would panic. And the guys would be like, Oh, don't worry. We got this one. Dean Clark would come in and kick a few garbage cans and try to wake us up. And we'd end up winning five, four, you know, and that was, oh, yeah. that was just a mindset. You just felt like you were going to win every single game. And I mean, you guys know what that's like when you're in the kind of that zone where it's like, yeah, well, we're down for nothing. Oh, okay. Well, we should probably start playing hockey now as opposed to being panicked but I mean the team in front of yeah. me was phenomenal and I was one of my it was probably my my favorite year of junior just because it was everything was so new to me everything was just yeah. brand new and I was just starry-eyed and playing in the saddle dome and you know being able to you know, be close with the uh you know the the flames down the road and going to watch games and just everything it was just it was a mind-blowing experience for me yeah, was the I, first game uh, back in Brandon Lake for you Oh, I was yeah. horrible. I was yeah. so bad. I was such a tired. Hundred family members in the stands. Oh, everybody's in the stands. And I remember it's very much like my one and only NHL game where I let in the first two shots. And I think we were down three nothing before I could even squirt any water out of my bottle on top of the net. And and I'm like, God, man, I'm 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 done. I'm out. He's gonna pull me. And Dean Clark left me and we won six three. Nice. And uh and but I and he, he pulled me aside after the game and you know I had some buddies in the stands that I was chat I was hoping we could get to the game beforehand so I could go chat with them in the stands and so yeah. I'm sitting there with the guys and BSing and having a good time and you can see Dean Clark and the team's kind of looking at me like what do you do you have a game to play what the, what are you doing yeah and they're staring at me and, and they, they I got give me the old wave and I'm like oh yeah, yeah. No, I'll be right down just give me one second yeah. right and like like nothing and. And I warm up and, and uh, obviously lay an egg, but he kept me in. And, and, you know, my, and then obviously my old man couldn't watch the game. He'd have to pace in the, you know, in the parking lot or, or yeah, whatnot. Yeah. And could, couldn't listen to the crowd. Oh, he's from Winkler, Manitoba. Oh, he sucks. Terrible goalie playing Brandon. Oh, he's terrible. Can't believe he's playing for, the, you know what I mean? Like the one, we, did, we only went out there once a year, right? So you have one shot to, to prove all your family members and buddies you grew up with and guys you played against in the local area. Like, oh, this guy, he wasn't ever that good. Oh, he's a piece of garbage. He sucks. Of course, Eighth look rounder. at him. He's terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Yeah, exactly. Bobby Big Wheel's coming to town, right? So nice. it was... Uh, oh, you showed it was, uh, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I did show them. But it was, uh, it was a lot of fun for me. I was very... Even though I didn't play that great, it was a very proud moment. 
after your second year with the Hitmen, you go in the first round of the NHL draft of the Calgary Flames. Tell me about that day. What was that day like? My goodness. I remember, <laughs> I, remember, I, remember, I remember walking into Cowboys on Penny Lane after. I think that's what I remember the most. Coming out of there, I don't remember anything. No, not, well, leading, leading up to at least remember nothing, right? Um, but you know what? It was crazy. I, I remember um, going to that uh, – um, the prospects game is kind of where it sunk in with me yeah. in Toronto where there was, you know, I mean, we all know what the prospects game is and I, all, I love, I would tape it. I mean, this is dating me, but I would videotape all the prospects game, you know, when Roberto Luongo was in it and Maxime Ouellette was in it. And, and I'd be, and I told myself, you know, throughout my whole career, I was told myself, if I could just play one game for the Winkler Flyers in my hometown in Manitoba junior hockey league, I, I feel like I've made it. And then it graduated to, if I could just play one game in the Western hockey league, that's all I want. That's all I need. Yeah. And then as it, as it continued on, once I hit the prospects game, like, Ooh, okay, well now this isn't, yeah. now this isn't just, you know, that now there's, there's more to it. And, and I can feel a bit of a shift in myself and, you know, and the, the ignorance, the, 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 just kind of the absent mindedness was gone. Like I was like, Oh wow. Now it's like, I could actually like, yeah. I'm getting close here. Right. I mean, there's, I was still a very far away away, but in my mind, the NHL wasn't even on the radar. Like when they told me I was in the prospects game, I didn't even think I was going. Like I, I had a great season, you know, great start to the season. Numbers were great, but going to the prospects game never crossed my mind. I just always thought there was somebody, oh, there's a bunch of guys out there that'll go in front of me, and I'm fine with that. I'm just happy to be playing the Western Hockey League. But that moment when I walked into the dressing room at Maple Leaf Gardens and Bobby Orr is my coach, and I'm shaking his hand, and I met Johnny Bauer, and and I'm like, my. God, like these are guys that like my dad would talk about when I was a kid or my grandfather would talk about and I'm getting to shake their hand and talk to them and they're like, this is all for fun for them, but it's a big deal for me. And, and then I remember going to the, you know, um, the prospects uh, in intermission with Don Cherry mm -hmm. in, uh, in game three in New Jersey when Dallas was playing the Devils in 2000. And I got to meet Don Cherry and Ron McLean and and then they, you know, when I got to stay in a hotel, you know, in Newark, which is a pretty much a big dump from, you know, yeah. from what I could see, right? I, I could see New York City out my window. I'm like, my God, would it be nice to go there? But I'm stuck in a in a swamp with a couple roads that lead to the Meadowlands. So that's um, right. But uh, and then the next morning, I I, I I get up and I'm hopping a plane and I'm going to Toronto for the NHL Combine to do fitness testing. I mean, I and Mooner, I'm. You know, I was a good-looking kid back then, shredded. I shredded, right. eight, shredded eighteen-year-old, but couldn't do yeah. a bench press to save my life. Pull up, probably just walk away, right? Stuff like that. And and I'm and I wheel in there, and you know, we're doing the VO2 max test, and we're doing this, and we're doing that, and and I'm like, wow, like this is this is pretty intense stuff, and and you know, go kind of rip through that, and then meet with twenty-some teams. So you're sitting there with. I remember wow. Columbus Blue Jackets had Rick Wamsley, and and they were asking me questions about like, why should we draft you? And I'm like. Oh. I don't know. I don't know. Like, why, why should you draft me? I don't know. That's uh, that, that's kind of, um, that's your call, not mine. Right. Like, I mean, like, what, what can I say? I don't know. I've been playing yeah. hockey. Like that's kind of your gig. And so they would ask me all these questions and I'd be like, okay, uh, well, I don't know. Uh, maybe then just wait for Pascal Leclerc next year. I don't really know what yeah. to tell you. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I, I, I couldn't like go to bat for myself, but I couldn't say, I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. I was like, well, if you find somebody better, you found somebody better. I just go out there and play hockey. That's kind of my whole yeah. mentality. Right. And so I went through that and then I met with the Calgary flames and that was the worst, the worst interview. I think that I, I had, they had about 20 guys in the room 
And I think to me, it was just, they were asking me questions in my mind. I'm like, these are stupid bonehead questions. I'm like, yeah. they're talking to me about glasses. Like I'm wearing glasses. Like, oh, you're a goalie and you're wearing glasses. Like, so what? I'm in an interview. I'm not on the ice. Like I got contact. Yeah. Have you thought about laser eyes? Sure. Oh, but like, I'm, yeah. whatever, like whoop de do, Right. So I'm thinking, I walk out of that and I'm like, whatever, like not a chance. These guys are just going to say, see you later. And, and they didn't, they, they just, they just, said they brought me on for the meeting just so they could say, yeah, we took the Calgary Hitman guy out for lunch and he was, you know, he was an idiot, right? Type thing. <laughs> and Calgary <laughs> Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And so, uh, and so I'm sitting there and, uh, and I go, go through that and then we get to the draft in Calgary and show up a day or two before and get some last minute phone calls from teams that uh, want to come have a chat with me. And, and then the rest was kind of history. I got up in the morning that day and we were staying at the International Inn yeah. Uh, and uh, and walked over, well, not walked over, but took a cab over to the saddle home and sat down. And I was just sitting there thinking, you know, and Jerry's telling me, you know, your schedule, you're slated to go top 15, top 20. You know, just be patient. It's going to take a while to get there. Don't get too worked up. Don't don't be yeah. disappointed. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I love being here. I love, I, I was having a great time. I had a couple of my buddies out from Manitoba. I mean, we had a pretty good shift the night before too. And like, I we bet. Were, like, like, like just getting drafted was not, I mean, it was a priority for me, obviously. And I was like, yeah, well, you know, I'm still in Calgary for four days. I'll, I'll mix in some fun here at some point. Yeah. And then ninth overall. And then, you know, when, when Ian McKenzie went up to the podium and said from the Calgary Hitman, I just stood up and I was like, Oh crap. Um, what if it's not me? You know what I mean? Like, just in my mind, it's like, well, there's no way. Wade Davis was on I'm, the team. Too. I'm already standing. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm already standing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, well, uh, uh, I just start walking. Just start walking to the podium, act like you've been here before, and, you know, did it. And I still have that picture. Lanny McDonald was up there, and, and, and Ian McKenzie, and Todd Button. Yeah. And, uh, and then it was, remember the show NHL Cool Shots? Remember that? Yep. That show yep. back in the day? So, do you remember Jamie Lundmark and, Yes. And Chris Beach, they were their special hosts for the draft because they had got drafted the, 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 the whatever, the, season, the year before. Yeah. And so they were asking me, you know, a bunch of questions and I played against them. And I played with Beecher and against Lundy for a while. And, and it was funny because, like, they were, like, for me, they were super cool guys. Like, they were cool guys. Like, for me, I was just some nerd that was playing hockey and I was having a blast. And I would even get nervous around them. Like, you know, they were asking me questions yeah. and I'm just, like, giving them the old, yeah, it's, yeah, for sure, this is great, right? And, yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and then Beecher kind of leaned back to me and goes, ha ha, you know, like, I knew you'd go to the, he was just kind of joking. Like, you're not going to go very far down the road. Right. I mean, he got to go to Washington yeah. and see a bunch of different cities and all I'm doing is staying in Calgary. And I didn't, you know, we were having fun with it, but I, I didn't care. I just wanted to just wanted to play hockey. And that's kind of the beginning. Did of they it ever all. tell you in the, from those Calgary interviews, did they see something different that you you felt you didn't see in that? Or? No, you know, I, 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 I'm sure we had the conversation because I remember being in the owner's suite after the draft and just kind of mingling with uh, the Flames brass uh, and, and ownership. And, and I knew a couple of them just from being around the rink and, and, and whatnot. And, um, you know, I remember saying to Ian McKenzie, I said, I didn't think that interview went very well. And, and, uh, and he just kind of chuckled. And that's all I remember of the conversation. Yeah. You know, you, you never really know. It goes one way in your mind. And then, then yeah. you know, the other guys can think, wow, that was really good. And for me, I'm thinking, like, I didn't really answer any questions. I didn't feel like I was asked really any questions either, right? So it was, it was funny. You go on to, uh, when you start pro, I mean, that first year you played uh, in the ECHL, you played in the American League. You were in Vegas, though. I mean, Vegas has <laughs> turned out to be this amazing NHL city. At that time, that wasn't even really on anybody's radar. 
What was it like playing uh, in Vegas in the ECHL? You know what, for me, I, I had all my buddies just, you know what, oh, you're playing in Vegas. Well, and you got a condo? Perfect. We're coming down. See you in a bit, right? I mean, it was great for them. It wasn't great for me. Hotel Cron. Seriously, right? Guys would come down and I wouldn't even know they're there. They just come in like, hey, yeah, we're on the road. Here's the keys. Go. And the thing, though, with, with that was, is I was still, I was up for the first two or three games of the NHL season because mm-hmm. I think Roman Turek got a concussion or one of the other goalies got a concussion. So instead of, calling a guy back up from the American league. I just sat on the bench for two or three games. And because the flames split affiliation with Carolina, they didn't have a spot for me in the American league in Lowell. So they sent me down to Vegas and they said, don't get too comfortable. And I'd never been tossed around like a, you know, garbage can before. And, and so I get to Vegas and I, I basically unpack my things. And within 10 days I'm back. Or I mean, I'm up in Lowell and I'm like, okay, so now I'm in Lowell. I'm in Lowell for a month and a half. And then I'm back in Vegas. Then they send me back down to Vegas for a month and a half. I'm like, I'm living in a suitcase. I'm, I, I didn't get to experience it as much as I wanted to. I remember there were a few nights where it kind of got a little crazy. And you know what? I had a little bit of money. So I, I signed my yeah. contract and I, I didn't even know what a credit card was. And I just remember calling my agent and we were out one night and credit card didn't work. I'm like, why is, why is my credit card not working? What's happening? Is this free money? Like, what's happening here? Like, yeah. so, I called my, so I called my agent. So I'm like, hey, listen, my credit card's not working. Well, did you max it out? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, have you been using it? I'm like, yeah, I've been using yeah. it a lot. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? You Apparently know, like, it's $100 a dance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? And it went missing. And this nice lady gave it back to me. I don't know where it came from. It was dark inside. and There's red yeah. lights everywhere. But, uh, um, you know, it was just, uh, he's like, well, you dummy. Like, you know, like they said they gave me a pretty low limit at the start because I, I had no concept of money management or having that kind of money at that age is like just keep it coming boys keep <laughs> it coming probably keep sealed it. the deal on that yeah we'll pay it off and then we'll lower it down to a hundred bucks How yes that, you donkey right so so you know but, but the bp the most... gift certificate when they <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah exactly yeah got free haircuts down there free golf and be yeah, exactly and lunchtime lunchtime gift certificate to save my life but uh you know I, it was just I, I didn't get to spend a ton of time down there I really didn't it was I was there for you know we go on a road trip and then go to you know Atlantic City and Roanoke Virginia and go I don't even remember I don't even yeah. remember playing those games and and I actually remember what I do remember though was is, is I was frustrated to be there and I shouldn't have been mm-hmm. you know I, I got down there and I'm like well this is a big knock I'm a first rounder and like I mean in my mind I'm not telling this to people but if in full disclosure in my mind I'm like well I'm a first rounder what the hell am I doing and the East Coast Hockey League, this makes no sense. It's embarrassing. I shouldn't be there. Right? And, and you know, in all honesty, I think I played 14 games the, that season, and, and the numbers were pretty good. It was a fun place to play. I played the very first uh, midnight game. Game started yeah. at midnight. Oh. And, and um, it was so weird. Like, you have pregame skate at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, have dinner, yeah. have a nap, and then get to the rink at 9.30, 10 o'clock and play the game. And, and it went to overtime. And the game oh, went of course to it did. overtime, right? We won three, two, no big, of yeah. course. Right. But, uh, yeah. but then we had four days off afterward and hopped in the truck and drove down to, to LA and spent four days down in LA, which was kind of nice. Didn't sleep that night. And no, um, <laughs> yeah, no, and, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, it was a lot of fun. Glenn Dulletson was the head coach down there. He was yep. great. Uh, Derek England was down there, right? I mean, we all know England, well, Moose yep. Warrior, and he's carved out a pretty good career for himself. <clears throat> um, you know, and a handful of other guys that were down there that, you know, were like, oh, you, know, you, yep. you were, you know, you played in the NHL at a certain point or whatever, right? Yep. So you, you kind of soak it up because you just, 
you talk to the guys, you BS, and you find out where everybody comes from, and everybody's kind of all in the same boat. And then you know, ended up going back and forth, like two different stints between Lowell, two times in Lowell, two times in Vegas, and then finished that year out in San Antonio. And I remember right. Gus Thorson, the trainer, came to me at the beginning of training camp, and I says, he says, I do not know what's going to happen to you this season. They really don't have a spot for you. So we're just going to get you black and white equipment, and you can't paint your mask. How about that? And I'm like, all right, that's fine by yep. me. So you, you see my first first two seasons my in the American Hockey League, it's black and white equipment, white mask. And everybody's like, why? You know, what's going on? Like, I don't know. Like, whatever. I, I didn't got- care. You're the yeah. superstore, uh, girly, you know, the label yeah, free. Ex- thing. Yeah, exactly. Could you right? tell at that time, like, was Vegas, you know, fan wise? It's like, man, this is, this is a great hockey town. Or was it yeah. still pretty early? Yeah. But- no, you know what? People would come and the, the, we played at the Orleans Arena. I think that building would seat about 6,000. They have a, like, they have NFR down there, like, they, they yep. annually down there, right? And it's a pretty, it's a beautiful, beautiful setup for hockey and for a bunch of other events. And some days we'd get four or 5,000 people. On like a random Tuesday night, and another, yeah. and then on the weekend, some nights you get like eight hundred. It was just hit or miss. But I think the experiment went really well. There's a lot of there's a lot of people that come down there just to like, what are we gonna do? Oh, let's go watch a let's go watch a hockey game. You know, it means you're coming down from Canada. But there was a big local following too, which was didn't expect that at all. Yeah. Right there was there was a pretty big local following. And you in the American League, being in the Calgary Flames organization, they kept moving their American League team while you were there. Yeah. You, know what I mean? you, you were in Lowell because you were splitting with Carolina. Then it was in Omaha. Then it was in Quad City. Like, it just seemed to – so you, you saw a lot of places, yet you were still in the same organization. Yeah. I, I say I tried to play on every team in the American Hockey League with one organization pretty much, right? I mean, I yeah. was loaned out. I got loaned out to the Florida Panthers one season. That's where I ended up in San Antonio. And then the, the Lowell thing, right? You split those. And then Omaha, yeah. they finally got their own – their own team, which was, which was great, but nobody gave a two, you know, what's about, yeah. about, about hockey in Omaha. And they all thought we were a part of the USHL. Like, you know, you don't play with the Lancers. You don't do this. You don't do that. And then quad city was a bit of a tough year for myself. I had the second kid and couldn't get um, her passport going. So they were back in Calgary for the first two, three months okay. of that season. And then I blew my knee out that year and they just said, you know, enough's enough. Let's just go and get you better. And, and kind of carry on that's the season I ended up leaving the, the Flames organization but Omaha was fun I had Ryan McGill as a head coach oh yeah and you know what and, and you know Gilly right yeah and and and, uh, and and you know I was always a pretty pretty sensitive guy I was really hard on myself when I played I think most players are that way anyway it's not an anomaly but but I remember um, there would be nights where I think he pulled me I think nine times that year just I think and I think four of it was just because he wanted to see what I'd do <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I remember him standing on the boards in Omaha with fifteen hundred people in the stand. Second, you know, second period, and we were down three one to Peoria, and I was I was playing pretty well, and he was screaming at me like, "Control your rebounds!" Blah blah blah. And I remember the players on the other team like, "Is he like this every game?" <laughs> and, and, and and I'm dying. I'm like, "Uh huh." Like, <laughs> yeah. Curtis McElhaney were there, and yeah, and uh, and and I played fifty seven games that year, and but it. it you know, going through it, I was, I was a, like just emotionally and mentally, I was, I would put the weight of the world on my shoulders and then compound it with what the coach would say. Cause I was always searching for that kind of approval as, as every player yeah. does. And, and it took, you know what, it was one of my, my best years just to grow and, and kind of grow a bit of a backbone. You know what I mean? Like I, I got in trouble before I got screamed at before and 
when I say screamed out, I don't mean, you know what I mean? It just, you know, guys yep. kind of give you crap for not yep. playing well or getting yep. your face to wake you up. You got, you boys know one. Yeah. And I, and, and it was always tough for me to take, but was, was eventually I just went to, to Ryan and him and I had a conversation about everything. And he just kind of looked at me and says, I'm just waiting for you to stand up for yourself. That's all I'm waiting for you to do. And I, I'm going to push you as far as you'll let me. And one thing that you need to learn in life is you need to stand up for yourself, right, wrong, or indifferent. There needs to be a line with you and with people in general, some guys learn it, some guys don't. And it's a good for you for, for coming to talk. And, and then I remember the next season, I had a horrible season because I played 28 games and that's, I, I had a, a, a bad knee that year or two again. And I remember he pulled me a couple of times and he'd come over and he'd chuckle with me. Like I was used to getting from the season before he'd pull me and come read me the right act in the corner of the bench. Yeah. And I would just sit there and take it to having a conversation with him the following season, getting pulled. He's like, ah, oh, not your night. Hey, I'm like, no. And he would sit there and he would just kind of, you know, watch this guy out here. He's, you know, I think he went, you know, whatever, just kind of, not like, like that's what I've always wanted, right? But then it just uh, never kind of turned out the way it did. But I, I owe Ryan McGill a ton of credit. Him and, him and um, uh, Scotty Allen. Scotty Allen was yep. the assistant coach there too. And that guy's been around in my career a ton as well. Yeah. Uh, Gilly's a beauty. Oh, Abs- yeah, he really absolute is. beauty. Uh, you get your one game with the Dallas Stars in the National Hockey League. Uh, take me back to that day. It was, it was such, it was so funny. So <laughs> Stu Burns is the assistant coach there, right? And mm-hmm. Burns, he's awesome. I mean, I get called up because they have Marty Turco and that's it. They have Tobias Stefan. I was, I just still, I, I, I puke when I hear his name. I feel bad saying that out loud, but he was a kid that was, he was a solid American league netminder, but yeah. I just, I was like, why does this guy get to play in the national hockey league and back up Marty Turco? And I don't like what's, there's something not, not right here. And, and anyway, so he was, he got called up to the, to the NHL. I was in Dallas's farm system at the time and I was loaned out to the Atlanta Thrashers and playing in Chicago with the Wolves. And that season I was actually in my second stint in Vegas to start the year because I got my knee rebuilt that summer, started in Vegas, Kevin Shevel day off in Chicago, took a flyer on me to say, Hey, we need you. Andre Pavlich got called up to Atlanta. We're going to need you for 20 games, maybe more, depending on how you do here's a chance and he and uh you know what they gave me the net for a while and it was great and then Bobby came back down and that was I mean whatever I mean it was kind of a year for me to kind of get get back going again so I was I was okay with it um but I get a phone call to go up to the to the Dallas Stars and Wendell Young my very first goalie coach was the assistant coach in Chicago and he's the one that told me about it and I mean he'd been around in my career for a very long time and I have tremendous amount of respect for for Wendell Young and just the person that he is the way he would speak to me and he would kind of treat me like an equal, there was that, you know, that veteran respect from my end, but he always kind of talked to me like one of the guys, which doesn't always happen. Um, but I remember going up to Dallas and just being so happy to be there. I was just pumped sitting in the hot tub with Mike Medano, bullshitting with him and having a great <laughs> yeah. time. And like Mike Medano and Daryl Sador and Sergey Zub playing ping pong with Sergey Zubov. Cause you know, I mean, just, I was like, my God, this is, this is amazing. This is, this is the life. And, yeah. uh, um, but I remember that, that one fateful night where I ended up in net. And, and then the night prior, I think we played Vancouver. And we didn't do so well. And I, obviously, I was on the bench. Oh, but I'll, before I get to that, the very first game that I, I actually backed up for the Dallas Stars, we beat the Rangers 10-2. And, and so I'm sitting there. Uh, Henrik Lundqvist was sick that night. So Steve Valaket start played the whole game. Yeah. And at about 6 or 7-2 in the third period, the boys were like, hey, you know what? Like, we, we played the next night in Chicago. No, no, yeah. whatever. We play the next night. Um, you might get a might get a chance to get some minutes in here. I'm like, oh yeah, perfect, right? So yeah, I'm sitting there having a great time. Like I'm gonna get a chance to at least get some some regular season action in. 
where I can't blow it for the team that bad. Right. So, yeah, yeah. so, so, so Dave Tippett, he's coaching the stars and he walks down the bench and he's like, Hey, Croner, you know, you played a game. Have you played any minutes in the national hockey? And he said, no, 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 I haven't coached, but I'm ready to go anytime. And, and I've got my clipboard there and I'm keeping track of all the yeah. you know, face-offs or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And he's, and he's like, what's the job of the backup going? Like always be ready. And he looked at and he looked at me and he's like, where are all the pretty girls standing? <laughs> and, then I, and, and that was it. And he's like, not going into that and walked away. And that was my job. was like, he's, he's a, the backup goaltender, right? Oh, so, I'm, I'm, so I'm sitting there getting, I kind of, the boys are winding me up. I wasn't going in, right? Whatever. So, so then you fast forward and, uh, and uh, you get to the, we played the Vancouver Canucks the night before and we didn't play a great game. I think Vancouver beat us 3-1. And the next night, we, well, we fly into Chicago, get in about two o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, Tippett says, hey, you know, Turco's going back tomorrow night. I'm like, yep, yeah, no, that's what I'm here for, right? And um, so anyway, uh, Stu Barnes, yeah. legendary Stu Barnes, awesome guy, yes. nicest man on the planet. He's got time for everybody. He's got me and Fabian Brunstrom on the ice for practice because nobody's taking pregame skate. Nobody's no. staying in a hotel, but except for this guy and the yeah. others. So we proceed to get bag skated like – like, I mean, nothing major. It was just a bag skate. And, and yeah. I was out there. We were on the ice from 11.30 till about 1, 1.15. I'm just, you know, breakaways, one-on-ones, down, up, left, right, stand on your head, run up and down the stairs, come back yeah. down on the ice, do 50 push-ups and stuff on yeah. other pucks. Like, it was, mm-hmm. you, know, you know those drills. Yeah. And I come back to the hotel, and I'm, I have a pregame meal, and everybody's still sleeping. But the bus is leaving for the rink at 4.30. I get to my hotel room at 2.45. Oh. And, uh, and I'm just like, I'm just lying down. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> so I lie there, basically sleep for 45 minutes, get up, go to the rink. And I'm like, oh, my, my legs are like cement. And yeah. now Marty, st- Marty starts the game. So we're, we're getting absolutely pumped. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I remember there's no room for me on the bench. And so I'm sitting on a football in the dressing room and Brendan Morrow's standing <laughs> beside me. And he goes, you're going in for the third period. I cry. I'm like, no, no, I'm not going in. He's like, yeah, you are. Get ready. I'm like, right, sure. Captain Brendan Morrow tells me I'm going in. I'm I'm going in. So yeah. I go back to my stall in second intermission. Tip just kind of walks through. I'm st- I'm trying to make direct eye contact with him to say, "Hey, yes, put me in the net, please put me in the net." And he just blew right by me, like just gone. So I'm like, "Oh, yeah. that's disappointing." So I'm like, "Well, okay, I guess I'm not playing today." And then with two min- two minutes and thirty seconds left on the score clock, he comes right back in the dressing room and goes, "Croner, get your shit on and get going." And I'm like. And my, and my stuff was like down the hall. So I got to run out and get my stuff to the, down the hall, put it on, put my mask on. And we're only down 3-1. And we're only down yeah. 3-1. Like it's, the game is still we have within reach. Yeah. And I get in and the Blackhawks were one of my favorite teams as a kid growing up. I just loved that truck horn when they'd score. Yeah. You know, I just grew up watching. Eddie Belfort is one of my favorites. You know, you got Jeremy Roenick, Tony Monte, Chris Chelios, and that old Chicago stadium, that horn was just electric for me. And literally, I think the first minute I heard it, immediately they scored, and I could hear that horn. And I had to, I had to, I had to push my mask up like this because yeah, I was smiling yeah. so much. I'm like, oh my god, that horn is so loud. It's terrifying. It's so loud. And I'm skating around, and I'm like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, whatever. Nerves, whatever. You're down anyway. Yeah. Get back at it. Let's get going. How about and, that uh, horn? <laughs> yeah, how about yeah, that yeah. horn? <laughs> hey, Mike Madano, you heard that horn? It's pretty loud around here. It's pretty cool. And literally three minutes later, boom. Second one, in. So I'm like, wow, this is okay. I, I get it. I heard it once. I get it. Twice is a little too much. Um, but I ended up trying to, to take the puck. 
because I was like, I don't know if I'll get another chance to play in the National Hockey League, and I want to have a nice. So I kind of kept it in my pants. Yeah. And the, refer, and the referee comes by and he's like, "You got that puck, Connor?" I'm like, "Yeah, I do, but I I, I want to keep it. Like I don't know. Like you have, any, you have extras, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on, yeah. Right? Go get another one. So it's, yeah, so he laughs and he gives, gives him back the puck. But anyway, and then Christopher Stieg, um, you know, I've chatted with him about this before, but he scored the Blackhawks I don't know with about 35 seconds it was a nothing goal he could have just turned yeah. away right but he turned a night that was two goals on eight shots into a night where it was three goals on nine shots which is a which is a funny barroom story for guys uh they love to hear it they love to make fun of me for it. two on eight sounds a lot better than three goals on nine shots and I remember you know a bunch of guys come over hey congratulations you know great great first game you know what I mean like just trying to be the consummate professionals these guys are, and I'm like, I'm going back to the minors. Like I knew, yeah. Yeah. and I was around for a couple more days, and boom, see you later, right? And that was kind of the, the last, the last of it. Uh, and you played with the with the Texas Stars, yeah, right at that time. That's when you were. Well, I got called up when I was with Chicago, with Chicago when yeah. I got loaned out from. Yeah, sorry, but I was in the. But Dallas, then after yeah. that, that's where yeah, yeah. Austin. How was yeah, Austin, how was Texas. that experience? That's how was Austin. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Good town. Um, it was, boy, yeah, no, yeah, it was a, it was a good town, and and we had a great team that year. We had a lot of good guys. We had a good mix. I had a young family, two young girls, and my wife and I were down there. And there was a bunch of it was first kind of a first team that had a bunch of kids on it too, like kind of veteran players been around for a bit. So it made home life very comfortable too, right? Because you know, on a lot of teams, you get a hodgepodge of different guys, and when you're in the minors, teams can be young, they can be vet, you know, whatever, and the younger guys. When I was in Omaha, I was one of two guys that had kids on the team, right? So, yeah. So, so, or one of three guys that had kids on the team. So it was just a bit more difficult to, you know, it's just different mindset, different priorities, that kind of thing. And, and so being in Austin, it was a lot more soothing for me just from a personal standpoint, because there was so many kids running around. It was almost like it's a big family and you could feel it on the ice. And I, I really hadn't been on a team that close. Ever, yeah. Or I should say that was probably the closest group of guys I've played with. And, you know, the city was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the crowd got behind us real fast. The Cedar Park Center was full. You know, it's, I think it sat about 6,500. And we were pretty much capacity most weekend nights. And then during the week, it was, you know, pretty, pretty close to that as well. Yeah. We were winning. We had a good, we had a really no good No midnight team. games in uh, Austin? No, no, <laughs> no, no midnight games in Austin. During but South the, by Southwest, maybe? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> F1, go have a good time and whatnot. Yeah. And, you know, there was no shortage of places to get yourself in trouble there, I'll tell you that. But, uh, um, you know, it, it was, uh, it was a lot of, it was, it was great. And, I, and you know, and, and Joe Newendike was the general manager of the Dallas Stars at that time. And, you know, he gave me every opportunity the fall after my first year. That was my really good season with Austin. I had a hernia surgery that year on Christmas Eve, which was really a kick in the balls. And, and I was supposed to go play for Team Canada in the Spangler Cup. And, like, you know, I kind of my, – my, my trajectory to the, to, to the National Hockey League from junior was just – like, it was, like, just straight up. Like, I was like, yeah. my God, like, this rocket ship is just – I'm going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. And then, and then you know, I, I hit some injuries. I hit some inconsistencies in my play. And – and I had to learn to be a pro and I had to grow up as a human being. And that took time. And, and, yeah. and I would, and then I just started getting frustrated because I'm like, well, you know, you got Pekka Rinning that's playing for the National Predators. You got Cam Ward that's playing for the, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes. You got Corey Crawford's playing for the Chicago Blackhawks. And I'm like, and here I am still. And so you just sit there and like, what can I do? Like, what, you know what I mean? And I know what I had to do. I just, yeah. you kind of feel, whoa, was me sorry for yourself every once in a while because you're like, 
give me a chance. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, that, those are demons that you all have to overcome too. Do you think yep. that, uh, um, you know, to that part where you start thinking that just how powerful the mental side of the game is where, Jesus, long seasons, it's, you, everybody goes through those, those roller coasters and to, to play as long as you did, how much, you know, you dealt with the physical side of the, the injuries and that, but how much do you think was really on the mental side to play that long? Oh, it was all the mental side for me. You know what I mean? I became mentally injured too. Like physical, I had physical injuries, some, some pretty big ones all with my left knee, but, yeah. but my, but my mind became mentally injured too. Right. I mean, it's, everything was, I was almost afraid to kind of get going too, to see what I could actually do or, or what I'd have yeah. the opportunity to prove and then have it get my hopes up and get all excited and then have it blown away because I wasn't healthy. And, yeah. and then, you, and then you also, you know, everything kind of compounds you have that. You, you guys know when you get into a slump or you're kind of just in a bad spot, Yep. It doesn't get better. You have to work through it, and, and it just compounds everything. You know, the winds. You know, it's not sunny enough yeah. outside today. What, what would you do to? Better. What would you do to work your way through it? Any, you know any, what? Uh, uh, you know what? It's this is so nerdy. But I, when I was in Omaha, I would go to the aquarium there, and I and I remember just looking at the fish. And, and I, I remember one day specifically, I had just a I had had a rough stretch, and my family was back in Calgary. I was by myself, and I just went to the zoo, and I'm like. I got to do something because if I sit at home, I'm just going to go crazy. I got to find a way to get myself, my mind off things. And so I went to the zoo, went to the aquarium and I sat down and I remember looking at, this is a certain exhibit and literally three hours had passed by before I even realized kind of any time had passed. And, and literally that is kind of what kept me, well, it's one of many things, but it's one of the things that it's, it's a little kind of, um, set set kid, your mind in a different place. Yeah, it would yep. just it would just kind of totally reset me, and and I don't couldn't even tell you what yep. it was about it, but it was just the fact that you know I didn't think about hockey because I think I always thought about hockey all day long, twenty four seven, every minute of every day. Yep. How, you know because I just wanted to get there so bad, but it, you're your own worst enemy nine times out of ten, and and you know I isolate myself too, right? I was never a grumpy guy around the rink, but I didn't want to because if I didn't play well, I didn't want to be around the guys. Cause it's like, I feel bad. Like, I feel like I'm letting them down. So I'm like, I'm just, I don't want to be around you cause you're yeah. going to talk about me or you're going to call me out or, you know I mean? I just felt really guilty for not playing good. Um, and so, I mean, the, the aquarium helped me a ton. You know, I was always a big movie buff too. I'd love to go watch movies and kind of take my mind off things. And, and uh, you know, those are kind of two things I can think of that, you know, Jerry hey, Johansson was really good for yep. me. Yep. Yeah. No, Jerry's, I could see him being quite a calming voice. Yeah. He was uh, really good. With, yeah. So you love the movies. Tell us a uh, favorite movie. Share, share, give us uh, all hockey players know all their lines. What's, <laughs> what's your favorite yeah. movie line there, Brent? Oh, you know what? I, um, I, I, I love Martin Scorsese films. I mean, those are pretty easy to like Goodfellas yeah. casino. You kind of go down that rabbit hole. Um, I like the movie sexy beast too, with Ray Winston and, um, Oh, what's the old Ben Kingsley's kind of one of my favorite actors. A lot of the oh, movies yeah. that he's Mr. in. Ben. Yeah, right. So I, I kind of gravitate towards towards stuff like that. I, you know, all the comedy movies too, Slapshot. I mean, everybody. You know, those are good movies to kind of get yourself into. And uh, yes, you know, they are. In, in, yeah. Inception, Christopher Nolan directed movie, and like kind of. I'm I love the comedy as much as I love comedies. I love them, but uh, I find myself kind of getting into the more of a drama. Uh, I can kind of lose myself a lot quicker in those. So I mean, the Anchorman. Yeah. All that kind of stuff, right? Sure. It's, uh, kind of a big deal. I mean, that kind, kind of, of a stuff, big right? deal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who hasn't pulled that line at a time? Super or two, duper, right? everyone. <laughs> That's right. <clears throat> right yeah. on. 
So those last couple of years of hockey, Brent, when, when does your mind start shaping to, okay, what's my next chapter going to look like? What were you doing things to set in place that transition or did you just wait till hockey went dark and then now what do I do? No, you know, it goes right back to ignorance again. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I had, uh, I didn't think about it. I was like, well, I'm just going to be a hockey player. Even in my, you know, dying breath as a hockey player with no contract, I'm like, well, I'll probably end up playing somewhere. It was the best thing for me to have hockey taken away from me because I couldn't have walked away from it myself. And I, I say that hypothetically. I'm sure I would have at yeah. some point. I'm like, let's not kid ourselves. But um, even driving back after my second season, you know, and I, I wasn't even on the playoff roster in Austin. I banged my knee up again and just packed my stuff up and, and went home. And uh, I thought, well, maybe I'll go to Europe. Maybe I'll go to Europe. And, that, and you know, they said, yeah, I know we, for what the money you're, you're looking for, and for how many games you played in the last three years, we're not paying a guy to sit in the stands. And it's fair enough. And, and you know, playing, playing, uh, living here in Calgary and, and um, uh, you know, going to golf tournaments in the summertime, Flames tournaments, well, the oil industry is a very big, big, uh, in, uh, obviously, uh, big deal here in, in Alberta. And, and I golfed with a lot of guys. And, you know, they were all very friendly to me. And they'd give me their business card. And they'd say, hey, you know, when you're done playing hockey, give us a shout. You know, we we're always looking for ex-athletes to come in and sell and do this and do that. And yep. so I was like, oh, yeah, more I'll just go, whatever, sell sell oil. You know what I mean? Like, no idea. You know, it's going to be an oil sales. Yeah, right? you had the you yeah. had Texas experience. You had the Alberta <laughs> yeah, experience. Right. Like, you're, you were set up for success. Exactly. I was meant for this. I was meant for this. And so, um, um, but I remember how hard that was. You know, I I, I would call these guys. i go through their, their phone and i just say, hey, I'm playing hockey. I'm not looking for a job. I don't know what I'm doing. I'd like to get into the oil patch. What does that look like? And nobody called me back. Nobody really? said a word. Yep. Nobody said nothing. I was like, hmm, that's yeah. funny. Okay, <laughs> well, what? So then I uh, was like, well, okay, well, hockey's not going to work out. So, you know, I, I signed my, my first round, you know, big check when I was 19 years old. And other than that, I didn't, I had a couple stints in the National Hockey League for a couple weeks here and there. And, you know, I played in the American Hockey League, made good money towards the end of my career. But, like, I, I, I couldn't waste time i i ha i was i was comfortable but i'm like i can't just sit there and just let it fall into my lap like, i need to yeah. do something i don't i don't have an education like i'm not i didn't go to university i don't have a nothing to to depend on i didn't take any courses when i played hockey you know the american that's when they were trying to get guys for life after hockey you know you can be a fireman you can be a, yeah. a policeman you go to these meetings to say hey you know you can get your mba here if you do this or you upgrade your high school do this or and i was just so checked out being I'm like fuck I don't want to do this. This is stupid. I don't want a job. Um, but then obviously I got three kids and a wife and yep. yeah, you know, you need to pay bills. So then I, uh, I reached out to, uh, uh, I think everybody I knew, Mike Vernon, first of all, and Vernie helped me out to get a buddy that ran a, a, a warehouse and you know, and everybody's always kind of, um, you have a big, you have a big ego, right? So you go from playing hockey, pro hockey and, Oh no, this job's not good enough for me. Oh no, I'm waiting for the job that I want. And, and, and in fairness, I mean, it's, I'm not taking a shot at anybody, but I, cause I was kind of a little bit like that myself too, where it's like, well, yeah. you know, I, do I want to drive a forklift? I mean, I, I, I played the national hockey. The guy, yeah. What would, they, what would people think of me now if I'm running a warehouse for, for whoever, right? And, but I didn't have that luxury to, to sit there and worry about what people thought. I had to start bringing in some income. And so I ran the warehouse and did some inside sales for this company that I'll never forget. They were really good to me. And, and it was just something to do to get me out of the house from eight till five or eight till four to kind of get used to a normal life. But, yep. but it couldn't pay the bills, uh, being just, just me working, right. Couldn't pay the a young family. So, 
I reached out to Rob Kerr actually. Uh, um, he helped me get in, in touch with the guys at the Flames alumni, Colin Patterson, Dana Merzen, Joel Otto, Jamie McCowan. Um, and he said, you know, you should join the Flames alumni. I'm like, why not? I didn't play for the Flames. I mean, I was drafted by them, but I didn't play a game. I backed up and I only played 20 minutes in the National Hockey League. I said, I'm not going to those guys pretending like I played in the National Hockey League. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's a different yeah. level. I'm not going there saying, hey, give me the same benefits you guys have. But he's like, no, anybody that's played, it's, you can sign up. And I signed up and it was literally, it saved my life. It really did. Wow. Uh, not, not, not to be too extreme, but it was just, like, not, not nothing like that, but it was just, I didn't know what to do. And, and then I got to know a guy named Paul Cruz. And, oh, I remember you know, Paul Cruz. We, yeah. Rob Laser. and I played against Paul Cruz. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and Cruz is one of my best buddies now. And I mean, he helped me out getting into the oil patch, Ron Stern. Help me get in. You know what? Uh, you remember Archie Henderson? Remember that name? Yeah. Back in the, sure yeah. Do. So Archie, so Archie Henderson and Brent Vogel were the two guys at the start that really helped me because they told me, "Don't wait for your job in oil. Go out and work your rigs." Brent Vogel went and worked rigs, and and Archie kind of sent the whole thing up. And so I left that meeting thinking, "Perfect. I'm. I'm I have no choice. I'm going to go make some good money. I'm going to go be a roughneck and, and wait from and just keep coming back every time." Uh, I, I got a minute to uh, back to Calgary and go meet people and see if I can't get downtown yeah. sooner than later. And then, uh, then you know, Sterney got a hold of me and and I ended up going to work on a service rig for Precision Well Servicing and and uh, and then I was out there for I don't know, six months maybe I don't know not very yeah. long but I but I was yeah. out there and uh, and it was it was ner- oh, I was nervous I mean it's fourteen hour working you know, working twelve and a half yeah. hour days I mean I'm, I'm I grew up in a small town all my buddies had farms and. When I, and my grandfather, I wasn't a farmhand. Like I, I was out there basically in the way is what I was. I would yeah. go grab the pellet gun and, and shoot things and, you know, throw, yeah. kick, kick rocks around. That's kind of what my, my job was. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm not a handy guy, but you get to the rig and, and the guys are like, Hey, go do this, go change the oil and light plant, go do this, go with the fifty. I'm like, huh? I don't, you know, and I remember the rig manager, he came to pick me up in Red Deer and the first thing he said to me was, he says, well, the standard isn't too high. We had a young man come through here uh, and he lasted 36 hours. And so if you can just make it to 37, you're not the worst rig hand we've had. And, and, I, and I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? so, so I did that. And then I landed a job downtown. And, and uh, you know, it's so like I said, the guys like Ron Stern. You guys remember John Baduke too, don't you, Big John? Yep. We played against him as well. Yeah, because he would be. He Lolly, would be you Victoria. fought him. I may have. No, you did. We were in Victoria. On the receiving end. Yeah, you fought John Paduk. Hopefully, I landed a puncher for you. Of him and his giant hands, like his (laughs) hands are as big as my face. Um, You know, a guy like John Paduk that I look up to, who's helped me a ton. So him, Paul Cruz. You know, I mean, you guys know Sean Selmser too. I would imagine. Yep. Right. So Sean is one of is probably my best buddy. Amazing Um, to hear. Just, Just, just how that's a lot like it's a lot of dumb names have, yeah yeah, yeah. just yeah. lent themselves right? to and and really you know built on when you decided to okay i can't wait for this that was your route and boy the like the net was there to help you yeah but without even me knowing you know what i mean like i had yeah. no idea i didn't i i didn't know these guys right i didn't like i didn't know them before any of this i grew up watching ron Stern on tv paul yeah. cruz on tv yeah. Right, I would go to Syracuse and I'd see, you know, I'd hear the legend of John Baduke and his giant hands ripping people in half, right? Um, and I'm just sitting there like, and now I'm getting to know these guys through the Flames alumni, yeah. right? And, and I'm going for a coffee with these guys. I'm going for a beer after yeah. work, or 
And now all of a sudden, hey, well, actually our jobs are pretty similar. We deal with the same yep. clients. Hey, Bob's got to do this. Why don't you give him a call? It's just, it, it, it networked itself into perfection. Like I, I'd like to say I had this all planned out, but my, <laughs> my, my God, it, it couldn't have worked out any better. I'm always amazed by just that power of just simply asking that question. Hey, could you help me out? And then blank, 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 yeah. you know, whatever that I, I had lots of salespeople been a sales guy in my day and, and, you know, talking to them about that, just, just go ask for it. Yeah. And, and just the fear of that, that just that one moment of getting past that and how you, like you said, you barely knew these guys yet. All they needed was some link, some connection and yeah. the question and, and look what they did like in space. Well, and, to, and to make yourself vulnerable enough to, to and yeah. humble enough to sit there and ask for it. It's, it's hard to do. Right. And, and you sit there and you don't want to be vulnerable. You don't want, you're taught being a professional athlete. There's no weakness. You, you're not walking into a meeting, showing your cards on the table saying, Hey, this is what I got. Take it or leave it. It's like, you yeah. are strong. You, you fight for everything. You do, you know what I mean? Like you, the only person that's going to help you out is you. And, and, and I mean, and those are good lessons to learn too. Like I'm not being negative, but, but in, in the same breath, that same mentality when you're kind of yeah. at your lowest, you just say to hell with it. I don't care. I'm not desperate, but I, I'm going to need to make a change and I don't know yeah. what I'm doing and be honest with it. Right. So it's a, it's a challenging economy right now in Alberta on every front from, from COVID to, to oil and gas. Uh, you fighting your way through those challenges. What, what is, what's the future look like for you, Brent? Well, you know what? It's uh, I mean, it's professional sports hockey is in particular for us. Helps you kind of see the forest from the trees too. You know, that, that old adage where you, you hate the, you know, every scout or coach or your mom and dad or whoever would always say, control what you can control and, and, and do your best with kind of what you got. And, and, and that's where you're at. I mean, all you can yeah. do is, is, is lay your cards on the table and be who you are. It's a desperate time for a lot of people. It's scary. It's scary as hell. And, and, and it changes a lot of people too. It separates managers from leaders. It separates good people and turns them into, Yep. you know, very, it just, it, it can change you and, and it, it, you can lose your focus so quick, but the network of people that, that, you know, hockey has, has obviously brought into my life yep. and to our lives, you can pick up the phone and, and basically talk to every range of person you want from a guy that's struggling through life to a guy that's has more money falling out of his jeans and I'll see in a lifetime. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? And, and you, you have that, that pool to dig on where, you just you can run into a guy randomly down the street. With the great thing about Calgary is everybody in oil patch downtown, right? So you go for a walk, you run into thirty people you know, yeah, right. And and <laughs> and, and don't be afraid yeah. to yeah, and don't be afraid yeah. to put yourself out there. I mean, you, yeah. there's nothing to lose, right? There really isn't. And and I I didn't even, I'm so happy that I did that that I kind of swallowed my pride, assessed my situation, and I was kind of pushed off the edge too because I didn't really have a whole lot of alternatives. If I had other ways to go, I would have I would have exhausted those first. But I was running out of, you know, streets yeah. to run on. So yeah, I'm just like, time. I don't care. Here's all my cards. This is what I got. I'll do anything. Let me know what I need to do. Yeah. Well, and that, that resiliency, that hockey, well, I'd say sport in general, you know, we, there's losing seasons. The, you lose yeah. some yeah. games and you got to learn to get up tomorrow morning. And, okay, we're, we're going to do the things that we can control and, and, you know, fight our way towards some wins. Yeah. 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 Awesome. No, and, that, and that's exactly right. I mean, it's. Yeah. And you can beat yourself up pretty good too these days. It's, and there's no shortage of things you can uh, kick yourself for, or yeah. you know, you see your family going through something, or 
or you know your your friends down the street neighbors down the street looking for stuff right i mean it's yeah. it's tough out there and it's, it's easy to say keep your chin up everything will work out but yeah. you gotta everybody's, everybody's gotta dig in well like mooner you know you're an old goalie too so you're you're behind the eight ball right off the hop yeah right off the bat the good thing is though we get pity from people right they look at us like you know just yeah. a dog from the shelter they're like oh this poor uh, little guy just, like you yeah. have no idea what you're letting into your house right now you have no clue but yeah. we'll like step, stepping up to the plate with two strikes already against you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of room for error here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Uh, yeah. Right That's on. Awesome. Well, Brent, it has been uh, fantastic chatting with you that uh, you, you obviously – you know, you got the great gift of the gab there. I see why you joined Mooner on the on the broadcast and uh, every uh, once in a while when he lets when he allows me to come on, yeah, yeah, and then allows you to say anything when when he <laughs> lets it get yeah. a breath in wise. But uh, no, thanks for joining us on Top Cheddar. Uh, this has been a super fun podcast. Uh, again, quick mention to like I say, the excitement continues. The fact that we've got a sponsor now for for the show, That's awesome. Twigandberries.ca fellas even even you know all the ladies listening i'm sure they're they're loving our podcast go go get your go get your fella some uh, underwear there twigandberries.ca uh if you haven't yet please do subscribe to the podcast top cheddar you can find it on all the major podcast platforms head to uh topcheddar.ca if you want to see uh we talk lots about our, our good friend mr jerry johansson yep one of the top <laughs> nhl agents and we had a great interview with him and and many others so uh, be sure to check those out. Brent, thank you very much for, for being on Top Cheddar today. Really appreciate you guys having me. It was a lot of fun. Croner, thank you. Thanks, Croner.